Hey everyone, welcome to tonight's late night happy hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky excited to welcome our friend Steve. As we were, we found out it was pronounced before the show. It's spelled Dom and it's pronounced Steve. Uh, who knew? All the cheers, cheers, <laughs> cheers! Happy to be here. Salute. Uh, happy Dominic. to be here. As, happy to be here as an actual guest rather than just crashing the show. Right? Yeah, no, you really. Fine. You you were good, and so well, so we should have him come back. Uh, <laughs> uh, Domin Rangula at Domin R is uh, yeah. I think it's I think a social media presence that at this point pretty much certainly even beyond Laker fans. I think basketball fans just basketball Twitter knows you. I, I I love it. I mean, it's I'm blessed. Like it's so silly. I try really not to think about it. Like the the fact that anybody reads the kind of crazy things I just think and I just tweet out like, you know, it's just, it's a stream of consciousness. You don't think about it too much. And I try not to think about, you know, people actually reading it. I just do it for myself. What, what do you actually do like as a livelihood? Like what? I, so I, I, I work, uh, I, I basically, I work for somebody who uh, runs like a, a tech site. Um, and, and so basically I'm, I'm sort of the all business or sketchy. I know, no, no, I, I just, just because I, yeah, I, I, I try to keep it I work separate. For I, I try to person who I, makes the website. So basically I just, I, I and do let us never of the, speak of it again. Are you, are you paid on Bitcoin? <laughs> no, but I should, I should ask. Uh, yeah, but, but so I just do the operations. It's, it's super boring. I, I, I just don't talk about it because. Uh, I know that I will eventually get in trouble on Twitter and I don't want sure. it to affect my personal life. So that's okay. basically what it comes down to. We've got a ton of stuff. Like I have like it's a big basketball. You know, the Lakers had, I don't want to, it's oh, like media nice. week. Oh, I didn't the know Lakers we were to like, prepare. We were oh yeah, to no, this is, a lot goes into this. I don't know how professional we were being. Together. We are I, supposed to prepare. You're, okay, you're not. I mean, again, just remain coherent. That's all we really ask. Uh, I don't so, know. This is pretty big glass. We we have a very high uh, it's a very high ceiling before you hit the uh, absolute top of non coherent. Like we, we we've got a pretty big allowance. Yeah, we're good. Um, but so you know, I I you know I got we got a ton of Lakers stuff and a ton of Clippers and just general NBA. It's obviously season starting. It's a big yeah. time. But how did this happen? Like, how did you become like this guy? Because like I said, it's not just like. You know, Andy and I worked for like years in sports media and you know, whatever, and it's like did it the boring way. Um, but like I, I'm not making this up. Like when we said you're coming on the show, like basketball Twitter got excited about this. So how did you become such a fundamental and integral and beloved, beloved part <laughs> of well, basketball I, I, Twitter? You know what? I so this is making when did very, you become I'm, a national treasure? Yeah. is really what, what we're at. How did you become the hero that we both need and deserve? Listen, if this camera was higher definition, you could see the fact that I'm blushing a lot right now. Um, the truth is, is um, I, basketball has given me more than I could ever give it back. Um, I I just love the sport. Um, I try to keep, you know, I, I don't take myself seriously. Um, I don't take what I say seriously, I, I just I try to have a good time. I love the game of basketball. I love the community of NBA Twitter. And just beyond that, I I I just I'm genuine to what I do. I I I love the Lakers. You know, I, I grew up in Southern California. I moved here uh, in the sixth grade. Uh I moved here from actually Canada. You had Sirat here a couple of days ago. I I moved from Canada. Um and I started watching the Lakers. Quite frankly, just to find a way to fit in. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't look like a traditional Southern California resident, right? Um, I, I and so basketball for me was a 
kind of a social lubricant to try to, uh, you know, find a way into any kind of group. And I think that just using that and, and falling in love with the game at that level where it became such an integral part of who I am, um, I think just... I never sought out any sort of a follow. I, I used to, when I got on Twitter, I was nervous to tweet. So I would just, I was on Twitter and I would read people's tweets. I would follow, I would favor a bunch of them. But my timeline used to be kind of empty. I used to start, and then at one point I started replying to people a little bit and that was intimidating. I really didn't want to do it. I sometimes would write tweets, delete them, but just be proud of the fact that I even got that far. Um, but then slowly just, you know, people are nice. Like I, I know, I know, uh, people will find that surprising, uh, that, to say that Twitter is a nice place. You know what? Uh, I don't take myself seriously. If somebody says something mean to me, I kind of brush it off. Uh, by and large though, I'm so thankful for the community and I just, to be a small part of it has been just, it, it, it it's kind of, I, I, I have a hard time thinking about it. Uh, I get a little, you know, it freaks me out a little bit. So I try not to think about it too much. And, and, but now that you've asked, uh, I, I, I've embarrassingly answered. What I actually enjoy doing with negative tweets towards us or people being really brutal, really good. I like to uh, heart the tweets. I love it. Because yeah. I, I feel like it's confusing. <laughs> like, like they're not going to know, did I not get that they were criticizing me? Am I trolling them? Like, like I like blocking. I mute people. No, I'm not going to lie. There are people I mute. I rarely, if but ever. I, we block don't mute anyone. people because they don't like us. We mute people because they're either just overly aggressive they're sort of spamming right. the timeline yeah. like I, I don't care if you say something like no. negative about it I mean, but like when you when you're you know, efficient the, about it by the 78th tweet in in 12 minutes right. i'm over it you know i mean right, honestly but, like and, and sometimes i tweet stuff like you know that that's meant to rile up a fan base such as maybe the boston celtics or the los angeles clippers hadn't noticed and that's where the vitriol you get because fan bases might get offended. Like I, 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 if somebody says something bad about the Lakers, I don't get offended. Right. I, I usually try to take it in jest. But so what I've started to do, and this is a great tip. If a tweet is sort of gaining a little bit of traction, just mute it, forget about it. It happened. Just move on because that's where the vitriol comes where if somebody gets offended by, you know, you making fun of another team. Yeah, I mean, come on, folks. It's, it's no, uh, <laughs> Pete, uh, the great Pete Zayas, like her film room, is in the yep. chat, and we appreciate that. And he said, "Oh, come on, we all care." That is, <laughs> that is true to some degree. I mean, like everybody cares, and this is this is good to mention because at some point we're going to get into uh, the Kyrie Irving, yeah, the Kyrie Irving maybe media boycott. I'm not sure. The I, I guess he boycotted. Like it is a little bit like people are calling it a media blackout, and we'll get to it, but. I don't think anybody actually knows exactly what it is yet, possibly including Kyrie. Right. Um, but to, to Pete's point, yes, everybody cares to some degree about criticism. I mean, you, you wouldn't be human if you didn't. By and large, though, I can honestly say, I think just because of the passage of time and, you know, before I sort of unexpectedly ended up in this industry, I used to do theater and improv. Like I've I've done a lot of stuff where mm -hmm. you're front facing in front of people, getting direct reaction. So just after a while, you you just start to accept the idea that everybody isn't going to like it, yeah. and some people actually are going to hate it, and that's part of the deal. But also too, I think like the the I don't know 
four or so years that Brian and I spent hosting the Lakers blog for the LA Times, right. you really start to develop like a thick skin. Listen, like, you guys have covered some people, rough some rough teams as well. We, we right. Have, for people um, being the wrong side vicious. of the tracks of Lakers teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it it prepares you, man. No, I and and you know. Pete's right. Like Pete knows me well, so he, he he's right. Yes, it it does it does affect you. It does bother you. What I will say is I don't respond to the only thing I've really get offended by and usually respond to is if the accusation is like, oh, you're you know you're 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 not thinking this through or you're sort of doing this half-ass thing or something like that. It's like if I have a take that you don't like, argue on the merits of it. Don't say, oh, you know use your head like something like that just bothers me because i'm like okay at least give me a little bit of benefit of the doubt that i've thought this through disagree with me uh even if you disagree with me a little you know a little harshly okay i'm i'm willing to listen i'm willing to engage because sometimes you do joke sometimes you really want to have a conversation like this Kyrie thing has brought up a lot of conversation and uh, you know twitter's probably not the best place anymore to have like long form discussions like this is way better uh, about oh no it'll be one better it actually never was no <laughs> that is not that's not a new aspect of twitter that's Let's been around be, it's been problematic I mean, for a while yeah i mean i remember actually when twitter was getting launched and seeing that it was going to become something that was going to take you know people by storm there'd be a lot of people joining there would be a lot of people being a part of this and you know i'm Obviously, clearly, I'm not above it. It is a big part of, you know, what I do. But but the truth is, we as human beings were not meant to be able to interact with strangers like this. Being able to say whatever you want, off, often anonymously, with no repercussions. Yeah. Like this is not the way humankind was meant to exist. Like I mean, it's like basically the letters to the editor that used to be in the old newspapers, but like thousands of them every minute. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's not healthy for any of us. No, no. And, and you can tell the people like if, if Twitter is affecting your mood too often, you should probably step away. Oh yeah. 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 For a little bit, just take a break. You know, good 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I mean, FOMO, I mean, you don't want to miss something big on That's Twitter. True. Um, so, but like, you know, let's, we're here. So let's, let's talk about this because for people who didn't see it, Kyrie Irving did not meet with the, uh, the media today in Brooklyn or I guess sort of the national media too. Everything's done now on zoom. So people are coming from all over the place. Um, and instead released a statement that basically like, you know, in kind of, it, it's, it's a, it was a very, co uh, Kyrie Irving statement. It was, you know, it was kind of word salady. It had, you know, references to COVID and doing things differently in a different outlook. And the bottom line was, I'm not talking to the media. Um, <laughs> and we're not sure for how long. Uh, we don't know. I mean, there are, the NBA has rules about these things. He could be fined, whatever, set all that stuff aside. And it really started a, a, a conversation about whether or not, you know, this is a good thing, bad thing. Kudos to Kyrie. Um, you know, is he doing the wrong thing? Is he a jerk? Whatever it might be. And it, it is a multifaceted, multi-level conversation. But what I think is interesting about it is you have a contrast between that in in Kyrie, who is somebody who has always pushed back on the media. He's gotten a lot of you know a lot of shit, and, and sometimes deserves, sometimes not. And in LA, you know, the the dominant voice is LeBron James, who is. 
I think very, very media forward. He is out there a lot. He's putting out his, you know, he's just talking on podcasts this week. He, yep. you know, does his media availability, you know, a lot in front of, you know, doesn't he, he is the opposite of that. He's very controlling of the message and all of these other things. Kobe was like that as well. Yep. And it really, it was the contrast in those things and like how certain players look at this that really got my attention because the Kyrie thing is it's Kyrie. I mean, you, he, this is kind of the, the iconoclast sort of guy he's presented himself as, but it really does create an interesting question of like, if you're the athlete, what's the best way to control the message or do you try? I mean, I, I don't know because of all the things, Domin, that you talked about. Twitter is the wild west. It is a place where that you can't have nuanced conversation, but in, but information disseminates incredibly fast. So I don't know what the right answer is here. If you're a, a, you know, a high profile athlete, let me ask you this because I'm actually curious about your perspective. Um, how useful do you find those scrums? So you covered games, you covered like post games and you did all that. How useful did you find them? It depends. Okay, this this might end up a little bit in the weeds, but if, if yeah. you're really asking, I, I think the the best answer possible. It depends a lot on who you're asking the questions to, and in some ways, I think it, it depends on the era that you're talking about, because the current era of the Lakers, the media access is different than when Brian and I started. Like it, it was. I, I think a little bit more, a little bit easier to ask more questions, and I, I think the general access to players was easier to come by, which in turn creates are, some of the are, relationships. Are you, are you telling me it was scrum. easier easier to get Robert Sacre than Anthony Davis? Well, no, no, I'm, I'm talking it's about even Kobe. more to like the oh, old wow, Kobe okay. versus right, the old facility. Oh wow, okay. In El Segundo, the old practice facility, where the where they brought the media and players had to walk past you to get to the locker room. And the old way of doing it was, you know, a couple guys that, you know, Kobe would speak. But if you wanted someone, the you know, John Black would just say, you want that guy? Go ask them. You're, you know, just go talk to them or whatever. And I realized my hat is casting shadows on my handsome face. Um, and in and, and the new a second hat, I, I need a bigger <laughs> hat with a mask attached to it. Uh, and so in the in the new building, which is gorgeous, um, it's the opposite. You walk in. You're on the sort of the south side of the court. The players exit on the north side of the court. They only bring you them to you, and you have no access to them the other way. So if you want a one-on-one, -on -one, if you want a little bit of that other time, it's much harder to get that sort of informal time. The informal time is definitely more useful than that than the scrums. But the scrums can have value depending on who the athlete is and how many people are there. So the answer is sometimes. Um, but not always. I mean, no. it, it, it's not a great setup. It isn't totally. Um, no, it, it is sometimes, I mean, just a dance that everybody's doing because we know we have to do it. And then, you know, you have a, to be fair to all the players involved. You have a mix of media that sometimes are asking questions, you know, in earnest, um, out of a real place of inquisitiveness. I hope more often than not, that includes me. That includes Brian. I mean, I, I know I certainly try to. Yep. And, you know, I've, I've, we've both been lucky in the sense that we haven't had as many strict guidelines in terms of what we've written 
or what we use for radio so we can have a little more leeway. It also in- explains probably why we've had 1,100 jobs since we Sure, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it, but it is part of it though. I mean, there, there, are, there are people who cover the team in different capacities who have more strict guidelines and the things that they need right. to you be need, I need a soundbite that I can right. play on the radio at my update at 2.48 today and I need it to be, you know, I, yep. and that's why some of the questions sound the way that they do. Right. And some of, sometimes they're phrased in ways that are very much leading an athlete towards, I really need you to say this. Could you please say this? Because it'll make my job easier. And these guys aren't stupid and yep. they can tell what you're trying to get them to say. They can tell, I mean, Kobe was actually really, really perceptive with this. They can tell if you're asking because you actually care about the answer versus you're just trying to get a soundbite and basically asking the athlete, make my job easier for me. And sometimes that can be a drag for everybody involved. You know, so there are times where I think the scrums reveal useful information. They are there are times when they are just a rote exercise that all of us have to be. Doing. But I, I'll, I'll be honest, and, and I promise we'll let you talk again here soon. Um, but the. I think the bigger question and the bigger issue isn't so much the scrums, the post-game questions, whatever. I think it's what happens to the information after it's done. It's the aggregation. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Anthony Irwin, but enough about Harrison. Um, It's the aggregation. It's the way that a quote will appear on Twitter and go viral without the larger context around it. You know, a guy gives a two-minute answer to a question that's very reasonable and contains one or two sentences. The Pat Riley stuff um, from after the lockout was a great example of that, where, Andy, what was the, the, where it's, if you took the little snippet, it sounded like Riley was saying, kind of making excuses and saying, basically saying that if we, if we had been healthy, you know, we, it, if you took it out of context without everything there and really even part, only part of like the juiciest words there, it would have sounded like Riley was saying, you know, had we been at full strength, right. we could have beaten these guys. Really, what Riley said at his most literal was, if we had been at full strength, we might have been able to push to seven games. Which, right. by the way, I think is actually true. It's not. It's not a ridiculous thing. And so, you know, I think it's it's when guys open up their social media feeds and see a quote, a something or whatever. And it just, and it's, and it's taken out of, or they feel it's taken out of context that it makes them very gun shy. You know, it makes when KD sees the headline and headline writers are not, you know, the, the people, again, if you don't know this, some people don't writers don't write headlines, right? You know, you know, headline writers write headlines. And so, you know, a lot of times you'll write a story and the headline comes out and it's like, even as the writer, you're like, Good God, I don't, that's not what I, you know. And so there's so many places along this line where it can go wrong. And then, and this is where I think the Kyrie part becomes completely fascinating. Kyrie Irving is a person, I compare him a lot to Lena Dunham. Like Lena Dunham is a provocateur. She likes to get people riled up. She likes to say things that are provocative and do things that are provocative. And one of my biggest criticisms of her is that when she does those things, she often gets very upset at the reaction when people yeah. are provoked and they are critical of it. And I think in a lot of ways, Kyrie Irving is like that. He likes to say things and do things that are provocative and then gets upset when people are provoked and doesn't like the reaction. So he doesn't always want the responsibility. But the flip side is, and I thought the 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 stuff inside the bubble was a great example, a lot of times he gets 
preemptively shot down and picked on, but, but like for saying something that wasn't fundamentally wrong or uninteresting or he, not he was, without I, merit. I, I really, I think uh, you know that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Where I feel like okay, so I think just backing up. I think if we look at it just black and white, if we make the issue just a single variable, it's probably a part of his job, I think, contractually to be available to the media a certain amounts of time, right? There's I think no probably. It, it is. Okay, it is. Okay, great. So then there's that. We we can just say, okay, well, do your job. And and that's, that's one side of it. The second part of it is uh, Kyrie Irving, I think, happens to be a very flawed messenger many times for speaking something that has truth to it. So going back to the bubble, I think Kyrie was speaking for a lot of players when they were concerned about is basketball distracting from you know societal issues? Should we be doing this? And he was tagged as the person who's disrupting this and, and maybe not mm-hmm. going to make this happen. And that was the last time he had sort of big press uh, prior to now and his announcement. Secondly, I think this whole setup, this post game, these little sound bites, this little thing, if you look at the value a player will get out of it, it feels like most of the time the only thing that can happen in those situations is a bad thing. Something you say something the wrong way, a little bit it can get twisted. If after the game, you know, yep. you miss a game winner and, and he, Kyrie says some something like, or anybody says something like, you know, that that we didn't have best play there, or um, you know, we waited too long on the shot clock, and then it becomes, oh, um, you know insert show here says oh is he blaming the point guard is he blaming the coach is he doing this is he doing that when he's you just can giving just, an you honest can just say anthony <laughs> <laughs> right anthony needs anthony needs to do something on his show so you know he'll he's gonna cut cut right. cut up what players I mean, he's say. gotta do him like every day in fairness <laughs> anthony, right yeah, yeah. He's I don't know 73 <laughs> podcasts a day i don't know how he does it i mean he's, he's got to fill content somehow so this fair. this contextless thing happened with kyle kuzma just yesterday right where He's had some problematic moments on Twitter with regards to COVID, so separating that. Uh, well, I guess it's a part of what happened where he said something to the effect of like disagreeing with Luka Doncic's point about, you know, the champion's going to be whoever beats COVID or something like that. Yeah. And and his his actual answer to that question or response to that Luka Doncic comment was actually correct. It was like nuanced. It was like, you know, injuries happen, this happens, that happens. It's going to be a lot of factors. And one snippet was put on Twitter. It spread like wildfire. People have a perception of Kyle Kuzma that is not always positive. I sometimes find, find I, I sometimes get tired of his persona rather than him as a player, which I, I thought he showed a lot of growth mm-hmm. last year. Um, and so at some point that starts to wear on you to the point of Kyrie Irving's like, listen, man, I sell sneakers. I get I get the max deals. And what am I doing this for again? And I'm not saying if that's right or wrong. I'm trying to look at it from his pers- for his perspective. And that's why I wanted your perspective on how much value you find well, in that. And and maybe he's speaking to I, I, the need for some structural me, adjustment. To I do think, Daniel, I'll, I'll just real quick, I do think there is a penalty. I'm talking just about Kyrie. I mean, because you are responsible. If you say things, you need to be, you know, you can be re- held responsible for the things that you say. Yeah. But I do think there is a penalty that is naturally put on players for being honest and interesting, which encourages them, Andy, and I'll let you go here, that, that encourages them to be neither of those things. But before I get to what ultimately is the biggest issue I have with what seems to be Kyrie's approach for this season, I mean, who knows if this will keep up the whole year? Who knows 
if honestly the Nets would even be allowed to let him do this mm-hmm. all year. I mean, the the league. I mean, right. I I am assuming, and I may be totally wrong about this. I am assuming that the Nets signed off on this one email press statement, whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't know if the league did, and the league can obviously supersede what the uh, what the Nets want to do. But before I get to the the biggest point of contention I would have uh, with Kyrie, I'm curious, Domin, what do you as a fan get out of these scrum quotes and things like that? Because ultimately, this is supposed to be fan service. Because all of this, you know, is what ends up being generated by media in terms of coverage that's there to serve fans. You know, it's there to generate headlines, there to generate interest, all that stuff. But in theory, fans are supposed to get something out of it. In terms of post-game coverage, things like that, do you feel like there's worthwhile stuff from it? Very rarely. And that's and and but the thing is, what I have to qualify that with. I am a diehard fan. Everybody on Twitter is a diehard fan. If you count the number of followers engaging and, and kind of we're talking about the game after the games are done, that's a very small percentage of the actual audience, right? And sometimes we on NBA Twitter also lose that perspective where we are in the upper echelon of people that are obsessed with this to maybe an unhealthy degree. And we have to recognize that and understand that, you know what? Um, Somebody sitting at home who just finished the game and and is watching Spectrum, uh, maybe is not tuning tuning into the Kamenetsky brothers, or maybe is not tuning into the Laker Film Room podcast, or maybe not tuning into. Obviously, everybody's going to listen to Lockdown Lakers, right? But in case they don't, right? Those people maybe are still watching the TV after the game and left the TV on, and they're you know finishing their drink for the night, and they're they're talking about the game, and they want that. So maybe it's for that fan that this has always existed. And we're sort of we're not we're not thinking through that enough. And maybe that's that's the one angle I see. And I'm trying to see it from all sides. And that's the one side I see it from the casual fan point of view. Well, the biggest issue I would have, I mean, beyond some of the stuff that we already talked about earlier, like I, I think I like Brian said, I think Kyrie likes to present himself as this very, you know, against the grain, outside the box, mysterious thinker, but, and, and, you know, in some ways very difficult to understand, but doesn't like it when people react like they don't understand what the hell he's talking about. So, you know, in some ways you have to accept what you're putting out there. But the biggest issue that I would have with what Kyrie's doing, if this actually is the plan is as a leader of that team. And that's what he's supposed to be certainly being treated like a franchise face. You're actually leaving your teammates out to dry. If you're not taking questions, that means they are. And from a leadership about you, by the way, well, I mean, whether they're about him, whether they're about the game, whatever, all of it, I mean, all of those things in some way are sure going to be about Kyrie or, you know, they will be. Yeah. I mean, they will be, but eventually like, let's say this keeps up like the whole year, eventually this will just be what Kyrie does. And at some point, I don't even think the questions will keep being asked about Kyrie, but they're still going to be asked about the game, the season, whatever. And if Kyrie's not taking these questions, if he's just putting out statements, that means his teammates are the ones asking, actually taking these questions. And I'm sorry, but that's a shitty thing to do as a leader. And, you know, Brian and I, when we covered the Dodgers for the, for the LA Times, the 2007 clubhouse, which was the worst 
chemistry of any team I've ever been around in professional sports. It was sports. the opposite of what the Lakers had this year. Yeah, I mean, they, like if you turn the Lakers around 180 degrees, <laughs> it was that locker room. And that particular team had this schism between the veterans and the young players. You know, the veterans being like Derek Lowe, Brad Penny, um, and the young guys being, you know, Russell Martin, Matt Kemp, James Loney. And the veterans on that team typically skipped out on postgame sessions. And they let they left all these young kids to be taking all these questions. And it was beyond being a bad look for those guys. I mean, it, it created a dynamic too, where it's like, why are we supposed to be taking you seriously as veterans? Like there, there's a reason these kids, outside of the fact that they were out playing you, are being taken more seriously. They're out front doing everything. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. Um, and I think ultimately this is the the question for the Nets because mm-hmm. from a talent standpoint, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you know, might be the best duo in the East, right? And this is the test. This is where skepticism about them comes into because Kevin Durant also in Golden State, where he's succeeded most professionally um, in terms of just championship success, uh, he didn't have to be that guy who was the face of the team in terms of he was the leader on the court in terms of, you know, he would he was, he was the best player on the court. But you had people like Steph Curry, you had people like Draymond Green who were established, who, you know, kind of spread out the media thing. Uh, that's a good point because what if Kevin Durant yeah, gets KD tired could be of a, it? He'd just be a guy. I mean, he wasn't yeah. as much as, as Kevin Durant, a player of that caliber, could be a, just a dude in a locker room. Yeah. He got to do that in Golden State. And he doesn't he doesn't get to do that in Brooklyn. He's I mean, he's another guy who has a really prickly relationship with the media. Right. And so we have long, just, we're gonna have like all, long Steve Nash pressers. How much how much Torian Prince are you are you ready for? <laughs> right. It's gonna be a lot of that. It's gonna be a lot of Karis Levert, who by the way, I love love Karis Levert. Spencer Dinwiddie, who actually is a pretty good interview. Yeah, I mean, like, interview. Yeah. this might be uh Dinwiddie's game uh gain. Like if all these other guys don't want to be talking, uh, you know, I guess DeAndre Jordan, when he's in the mood, can be a pretty good interview. Yeah, but, but it, it, it's I think what Andy's supposed to be doing. Andy's point yeah. though is, is a good one, just because like the ob- like everybody. Oh, they don't owe you anything. You're right; they don't owe us no. anything. The obligation is really as a star is to your teammates. It's not to us, and and that's that's the that's the uh, the other <laughs> thing. Like, can, yeah, Spencer Dinwey, as Anthony points out, can can talk about Bitcoin. I I don't understand Bitcoin. Um, I feel like I should. Like I feel like remember when Bitcoin was going to make everybody rich and then it made everybody really poor. It's starting to make people rich again. I feel like I should understand this a little bit better. Um, we should get a Bitcoin guy on. We should get a Bitcoin guy. I, I, Dom and I know you're being very mysterious about the work that you do, but like, can you at least acknowledge? Are you are you at least tangentially connected to Bitcoin? Can you can you help us out there without link three times if you're involved? in Bitcoin? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I've tried. So I listened to like two podcasts about Bitcoin, and I had to listen to them again. And I realized if I can understand even like the podcast that's explaining it for dummies. Uh, it's probably not an investment for me. Yeah, they do say only invest in things that you understand. Um, like, all, which is why I, I don't invest. Right, and all I understood is that story about the guy who was like fishing through the dumpster in England because he had you know seventy two billion dollars worth of Bitcoin <laughs> on a thumb drive that he actually accidentally. Well, threw that was away. like when, when Spencer Dinwiddie wanted his contract all in Bitcoin, and the NBA yep. said no. My reaction was he is either a genius 
who understands Bitcoin like better than 99.5% of the world, or he has absolutely no idea what the hell he's talking about. And the league just did him a massive favor. I think he, like, I think he's, there's no I think in between. He he's a yeah, smart there's dude. No in between. I think he gets oh, he it. might. Right. I, mean, he, I have no idea. I don't understand Bitcoin well enough to know if he's smart, like in the way he talks about it. Like, I have no idea. Like, um, he seems to think he understands it, but I don't know if he actually understands it because I don't understand it. No, I mean, I can't sit here and correct him. That's for, that's for damn sure. <laughs> All right. So we got, we still got, we got a lot of Lakers, a lot of Clippers to get to here. Like, the Lakers have, I guess, com- not, I don't know if they completed media week. We've heard from pretty much everybody at this point, except for LeBron, um, James. Uh, and thank you for clarifying. We didn't know. You're, yeah. <laughs> not everyone is a huge fan of the team, uh, who's, you know, people could just be crossing paths with the show tonight. Um, and, you know, a couple stragglers uh, here and there, but pretty much everybody has been heard from in one form or another. Um, I I was asked this question. I did a radio hit this afternoon. Was asking you know, the Lakers now with Anthony Davis signed up for five years or whatever it is, and LeBron locked up for you know an, another year on top of the one he was had. Like, what's the window here? Because I, I want to talk about AD and why he ended up signing. You know, the the just the full max as opposed to you know chopping it up. But let's just assume everything is like, and guys are healthy. Organization keeps running the way. How how big of a window do you think we're looking at here in over the next like four years? We'll call it. What is a reasonable amount of titles uh, to expect? How many finals appearances do you guys think is is realistic? Domin, we'll start with you. So I'll give you a little bit of a long winded answer. I am very happy. Twenty-seven minutes. <laughs> I'm very happy at the uh, Rob Plinka's approach to this offseason because the easiest thing that he could have done and and the whole front office could have done is we're going to bring back as close to the same team as possible because nobody would blame them. They had a great season. They had a great playoff run. They had great chemistry, and. Uh, when I say easy, obviously it's complicated and, you know, contracts and cap situation and all that, but they went for it. They went to get better. They went to get younger. They went to get more dynamic. They went to get more offense. And the truth is, is that in the NBA, you can go from dominant, like unfair to tragic in like the course of two games. And I'm of course talking about the Warriors, right? Where the Warriors were impossible KD went there it was unfair the league is rigged I can't believe it and if you look at what they did and how long it lasted I think part of it is that the NBA is structured in such a way now with shorter contracts with um, other teams rising up other teams you know like how quickly did Brooklyn come together now and they you know they might get James Harden or Philadelphia might get James Harden and you know juggernauts rise and fall and go up and down and so I just wanted to say I am very happy that they're continuing to push the pedal and not just assume that our title window is going to be so long that, you know, we can we can slow play this. We can go slow. They went for it because I think that you're saying four years on paper right now. I can say, well, they should be at least contending for four years. Maybe they make two to four finals and they win two to three more rings. Right. Just being realistic. But. It goes so fast. So you just have to be all in all the time. And I really appreciate that about the Lakers this offseason, where their last offseason was magnificent. They mm-hmm. hit on a lot. I think that what they did this summer was a way harder from that perspective. No because, question. Way no harder. Right? question it was harder. And, and, Absolutely. and so they increased their chances to win now. 
And we can talk about four years from now, but I think that if you keep that mindset where we're going to keep the pedal to the metal, um, the one good thing that they've done is, for example, the Danny Green to um, Dennis Schroeder. They got younger and, you know, just this is a cold-blooded kind of way of talking about it, but they got a better asset. They got a more versatile asset moving forward. You know, it's funny, actually. And first of all, what's what's crazy about the job they did this offseason and really Rob Palenka, like, I, I have been on record expressing doubts about him in the past. That dude crushed the offseason. Yeah, they nailed it. I, mean, it last, I don't consider what they did last year to be that hard. I mean, it worked out really well. They made some good choices, whatever. They fell into most of the decisions they had to make. And I said, this, you know, the next, this offseason, the next one, I mean, those are going to be the ones that show how good Rob Palenka is, Andy. And I, I agree with you. Like this offseason, I mean, and, and what's funny is you were saying like the next four years, you know, going to three finals, winning two, if you're being realistic, it's not a guarantee, but that's actually not unrealistic, which is crazy to how well they've done. But what what I think is interesting, though, about the offseason is I don't really think that running it back was an option for them because I think they were too old a team to run it back for this particular upcoming season with this short of a turnaround. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. I, I think if it had been a normal year, maybe – they, I mean, I don't know if they would have done it or not, but I think maybe they could have more practically thought about, hey, we know the chemistry on this team is incredible. We know that these guys play well together. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't actually think it was an option for this offseason, regardless of what you're talking about planning with the future. Maybe you re-sign Schroeder, that sort of thing. Yep. No, that's that, – I, I, you're probably right, right? And, and I think we have to be realistic about the fact that um, – Bringing it back, like other teams, you know, Golden State, just the unfortunate Clay Thompson injury. Um, right. But they were going to emerge as okay. Golden State's back, Brooklyn's back, um, Milwaukee got better. Like other people are retooling too. So yeah, part of that also is just you need to you need to keep going because other teams are trying to match what you what you did. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I just say you know I, I I respect you know what Rob did here in the sense that. The assumption is it's a, this, the safe play. Nobody will ever argue with you. Say, look, we 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 ran away with the conference. It was you know all these things. Bring it back as much as as much as you're you're able to. And they made move. Certain guys were going to leave, but they did proactive things to change the 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 you drastically change the complexion of the roster. Dwight Howard we, thought he was there for you know yeah. for a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so it's yeah. like I mean, yeah. You you have the opportunity to get it back as close as possible, which is the safest thing to do. Um, and nobody's really going to criticize that because your team was nope. so good. You have the evidence there. But what I think is important to remember is the things that worked last year weren't necessarily we're going to work the same way this year, as Andy points out, because even if the season looked normal, they never do. And it never happens exactly the same way two years in a row. And, you know, the teams that they'd face in the playoffs might be set up differently to, to attack them. And the Lakers got lucky that Rondo really did show up in the playoffs. And, you know, still, KCP was making shots. Marquis Morris suddenly still, started hitting three-pointers like crazy after hitting like two of them in the regular season. Their weaknesses could have hurt them. By the way, shout out this to year. Uh, Steve Ballmer for uh, – Subsidizing uh, R. Oh Morris. My oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my what? god! Do they so, still I mean, like, share it a bank been, It could have hurt them. Do we, what, what do, we, do we know if they still share a bank account? I think they do. 
God, I know Markeith hopes so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to spend a week with the Morai like so <laughs> badly. I, I want to see what that's like because I mean, they're they're really really close, and it seems like they have a really fun relationship. Like when yeah. when Markeith joined the Lakers right after Marcus uh, the the Clippers traded for him, I was like, my God, break Twitter. And take a photo of yourselves in pajamas in like a bunk bed. And like one is in, one is in the top, one is in the other. That would have been amazing. Absolutely. Like it, just and they they seem like they have a pretty you know pretty decent sense of humor about the way they're perceived as this package deal and how close they. I mean, they've got I think like identical tattoos. I'm not even joking. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think so. No, like, we 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 had a lot of you got a lot of mileage out of the idea of of uh, shenanigans and hijinks. Yeah. Um, if one of the Morrisuses were, and we at the, the time Morai. were like, it, it, we, you know, we were like, how can the Lakers sneak the good Morris onto <laughs> our roster? Like, you know, if they, if they're eliminated, it turned out we had the good Morris. Um, but it's, you know, so uh, how, how does it work with your guys' uh, joint account? <laughs> Not it's as very well similar. As very similar. Um, <laughs> we are, we do know, I do know how much he makes off of this stuff because you know, he knows how much I make. <laughs> Um, it is not as lucrative as what Markeith and uh, yeah. Marcus do. Um, the five-year thing, you know, the 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 full max extension. I, I, I forget the you know, 190 for. The, yeah, I think he can opt out for that. Here's here's year. an easy way to remember it. Uh, we got Anthony Davis for Tobias Harris money. Yeah. There wow. we go. I mean, it, I mean, just just how 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 can you beat that? Oh, you can't. But what I thought was fascinating, one of the few things I thought was genuinely fascinating out of today's media stuff on Friday was that AD was very open about why he did. Because we all expected him to do either a one-and-one, a two-and-one, whatever it is, re-enter the market, sign another max. He left money on the table. He did guarantee himself $190 million, but he left money on the table. And, and as it turns out, too, there's assuming his career continues, there, he'll get there's another a, contract. He, well, it's not a, it's not even just that. Like there are specific ways that doing mm -hmm. it five year, like you know, the age that he re-enters a new contract. Like right. as it turns out, he's leaving very little money. But he could have he could have accelerated sure. that a little bit. He could have could like have. there are ways he could have squeezed this out to where there's he gets other, there's, more so there's money. other things other than money, right? If you're on a two plus one, you exert more control over the organization. Correct. You know, when you're in that second year, you could be like, hey, you know, I know you're looking at signing this guy. Why don't you sign my friend? You know, I'm a free agent, you know, I have an option coming up. Like there's a lot of that kind yeah, of absolutely. stuff. He, 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 he said he no. Said, I, nope. And what I what I thought was really fascinating is he acknowledged openly, yeah, you know, I mean, I've had a little bit of an injury history. I've had a little bit, you know, God forbid something happens or whatever, you know, the the, the he you know, he played with Demarcus Cousins. Like he sees yep. what can happen, like in all that. And I I I I was surprised, not that he would think that, or not that it would motivate him to say that or to sign the deal, but that he would actually say it out loud because so few athletes will talk about that. Like the idea, like I, I could get hit by a, you know, a, a, I could be in a car accident tomorrow, never play again. Like all these other things, like I'm taking my 190 million yep. and I'm banking it. And if it means, and I look up in 10 years and say, I could have made two twelve, so be it. I'll take my 190. I thought that was interesting coming from a superstar who still isn't 30 I, I it's 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 one of those things where 
we rarely will hear an athlete be vulnerable about their health. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, yes. I mean, it's it's the most sensitive kind of topic you can imagine, right? It's like that's that's at the end of the day, that's their livelihood. Their bodies functioning at the level that they function is is their livelihood. And yeah, absolutely, I I, I was struck by it. But um, you know, he seems he's he's he seems just a very like a very upfront guy, and and it's he he's well respected in that locker room. And I will but, say, is this second day in a row of looking at this? The guy's got what appear to be like. 65 foot ceilings i mean that i don't know i mean where you build something like that in this (laughs) in this town but man alive he is a tall man and i realized he was shooting up and all that but wow that those were some big windows (laughs) yeah our 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 joint accounts aren't gonna cover that no 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 we we can't even cover one of those walls like (laughs) the whole house i mean just one of those walls has to be really really expensive i bet he records a lot of podcasts (laughs) <laughs> the, the a on lot of podcasts to do that yeah <laughs> it's very it's very prolific locked um, on ad you know um, I mean, the other thing too though that i mean that's great for the lakers beyond the fact that you know they know that they have lebron and ad and in ad's particular case in his prime locked up this does such a favor for rob Palenka when it when it comes to planning out the future and looking two to three years ahead, that sort of thing. There are no question marks. Like you, you don't have to think about, well, this guy may have an opt out. And I don't know exactly what that number is going to be in terms of targeting somebody that could be a free agent or a trade uh, acquisition two years down the road. He knows all of the concrete answers. Yeah. And it helps the Lakers be better. In, you know, everybody yes. talked to the leverage, but it, it, in a lot of ways, predictability is the greatest thing that a GM can have. Yep. No, it makes everything so sustainable in terms of building and and long-term planning. The one thing I'll say, though, and it's very interesting from LeBron's perspective, because beyond LeBron maximizing his earnings, which he should do, and and him and Rich Paul has done a very good job of that, um, I cannot, and I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking about this a lot last year, I cannot think about a combination of superstars that have fit together as well as they did and I wonder how much of it is that their recognition that what we have here is so special, right. just in terms of personality on the court, off the court, style of play on the court, off the court, preparation, just the way everything came together and the way they two function. Um, and as being that being the nucleus of the Lakers moving forward, um, I really think that we probably just this is this is always analysis that happens five years after or ten years after, you know, the sort of the run is over. But I can't remember the last, like, obviously there have been so many successful duos, Kobe Shaq, uh, Steph KD recently, um, Magic Kareem, just see if you just go down the Lakers line. But just from a, just top to bottom, on court, off court, spirit, player personality, et cetera, et cetera, I can't remember a duo fitting as naturally and perfectly as this. Honestly, it's off the top of my head, it's Kobe and Powell. I mean, like yeah. I, I used to always say that if you put a bunch of scientists together and said, we want you to build, you know, in a lab, Frankenstein style, whatever, the perfect complement to Kobe. But Frankenstein had Frankenstein. Yeah. It, <laughs> it would have been, <laughs> been power. Block yourself, meet yourself. Like, uh, you know, I mean, Kobe <laughs> and Shaq were more devastating than Kobe and Powell, but there were a lot of problems that went with Kobe and Shaq. Powell was on the court, off the court, just 
perfect. You're, you're right. talking to the number one Pau Gasol fan here, by the way. I, yeah, I, 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 and part of, I think, why I became such a huge Pau Gasol fan was because of how well he fit with my favorite player. Kobe. And, and look, Pau took, you know, elements of shit that so far AD has not had to take right. from LeBron. And, and look, LeBron and Kobe different in he is not I mean, he has not been asked for example to put on his big boy pants no and and he's not going black swan to. he's not asking to be the black swan and look yeah. some of that some of that stuff was brutal to watch up close that that kobe yeah. put pow through but you know kobe kobe and lebron are different people pow and ad are different people but kobe definitely appreciated what he had in pow like yes. a lot yeah. and in the meantime though lebron i think really enjoys this mentoring p uh, position that he's in with AD. Like, like this idea that he's going to help bring out the best in AD. But in the meantime, though, it, there's self-interest in that. Yes. Because the better AD can be, the easier the tail end of LeBron's career is going to be for himself. And that's just going to extend his own career, maybe get him more championships. You know, it's selfless, but also selfish in a certain way, like in the best kind of way. Uh, this is this is something I believe just in general, whether it's in uh, basketball or outside of basketball, um, finding a way to get people's self-interest into doing the right thing is like the recipe for success because that's the most sustainable way to do something. And LeBron being this invested in Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis's growth is exactly what the Lakers need. Like forget mm -hmm. if it's if LeBron is in it literally just to get to six rings, to match Michael Jordan, to pass Kareem in points. If that's all he's in it for, he doesn't care about the Lakers. That's fine with me because the Lakers are going to succeed because of that. And by the way, I just want to—I just want to make sure I say this because uh, we got Marcus All. I'm so happy about that. Please bring back Powell. I hope they do something like an expanded 16th COVID roster spot on in the NBA or something. Put Powell on this bench. Please, please, please. You know, we, we I, I did a Spectrum last night, uh, Spectrum Sportsnet, and that question came up. This is totally unsourced. I've done no digging around whatsoever. But my prediction is if that happens, it's going to be next season. Because, okay. I mean, it, this is a difficult season with everything going on with COVID. And then on top of it, you know, me projecting what I think could be going on with Powell. You know, he has a very, a very young new child. I wouldn't, if I were him, want to do that this year. I would be looking to do it next year. Yeah, when, it's, ceremony, it's ceremony either way. It's not going to play. Right. So. It, it's, it, right. So if it's going to be ceremony, you might as well make it as easy for yourself as possible. And hopefully Mark will be on the team next season as well. But that's when I actually predict that it's going to happen. You know, Domin, your point about lining up self-interest with, you know, with, you know, kind of making, having guys like, Making all those those self interests line up in, in ways is is a great one, and in a lot of ways, I mean that's that is what Kobe was doing with Pow. Was he was yeah, you know, sure, molding yeah. Pow to his self interest, is just in a really mean way. Sometimes. <laughs> well, you know really what? Not listen, nice about it. Listen, I I love Pow. I think until Pow came to LA, he was missing that edge that he needed to get to the next level. Right. And whether it was through nice ways or mean ways. Pow, Pow got to that right? Mean. That that, that game mean. seven, that game seven in 2010 is he outgridded Kevin Garnett. Yes, yes he did. It was, it, but like, but the thing that I, the Pow Andy's correct. I think the Pow, the fit, Pow and and Kobe, they're not the. It's not the best duo out there. I mean, Shaq and Kobe more talented, 
uh, you know, Dwayne Wade and LeBron together, but the fit wasn't as the fit here is like that with AD and LeBron. Both ends, and this is something that sometimes gets me in trouble with. I know, I know, I, I, know what you're about to say. I know what you're about to say. Yeah. Both ends of that combo are better than the other guy <laughs> in the other combo. LeBron James is better than Kobe, not by a lot, but he's a better player. I mean, Andy, you, you, you can just get up it's and just, leave if you yeah, need yeah, to. We're, we're, we have, we'll be right back. Just LeBron. remember who's who. That's all. LeBron, <laughs> just remember better who's than who. Kobe. Yeah. It's okay. That, that was no Andy Kamenetsky who said that. <laughs> Andy A N D Y. Dom, and when we invited you on here for slander, that is not what we were talking about. <laughs> um, and and Anthony Davis is a better player than 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 Powell, and, you know, a more dominant player than than Powell. And so, yeah, you know, let's, let's 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 let them get a second ring before we definitively say that. The, I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying they're going to have a better legacy. I'm not going to say they're going to win more rings, but just. You have you can choose one player at their peak for your team. Do yeah. you choose Power Anthony Anthony Davis? You probably take Anthony Davis. Uh, I will plead the fifth, which means you you know my answer. Taking Anthony Davis, <laughs> like you know, it's like it's it's stunning. Like there are a lot of good combinations of players around the league. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. As much as we like to make fun of that. Um, you know, in Lakers parts Pretty of the country, that's really good. You know, KD and Kyrie, and we go through the James Harden and Russell Westbrook, like before you know that blew up, whatever. All of that stuff, those are incredible combinations. The Lakers, I, I didn't know, I didn't know we were, have two we, of the best. I, I didn't like, know we were including uh, second round flameouts uh, in that I, in that category. I, I know, I know, I know. Chokers but, is that is that is that what you said? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like think. Like, I, who was it we were talking to the other day, Andy? That they said that the Lakers. Oh, it was it was uh, uh, Nikias Duncan. Yeah, uh, he's like you know the Lakers. I love, might he's, have, he's such a, he's, he's fantastic. Such a you go back and listen to the podcast we have. Yeah, he was on great. last week's Land of Lakers. And so he said, you know, the Lakers have two of the top like seven players. It was like two of the top seven. I mean, trying to get Whoa. thrown off the show here. It's like <laughs> the Lakers might have two of the top one. Check your mentions there, buddy. <laughs> I'm about to get brutal. But at worst, they have two of the top. I mean, LeBron's a top two. You I, know, I think. I think the last top five. Yeah. No. I. 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 I think. Let's see how Kevin Durant looks. Uh, let's see. You know. Let's see how he looks health wise. Um, but until, there's no. There is no how Kyrie looks that makes him as good as the correct. second best player on the Lakers. Yep. Your second best player is not as good as the second best player on the Lakers, and I don't care who you are. Yeah, it's crazy. No, I, we're we're so lucky. Yeah, I mean they they're in such a great place moving forward and as long as they stay healthy and as long as Anthony Davis doesn't have some desire to I don't know expand beyond what he feels like he's doing which I don't worry about because honestly I feel like LeBron is going to be very conscious of what AD wants he let him do it's it like you're right it's like how can I accommodate it because at this point the only thing LeBron really needs if you think he needs anything at all is more championships. Yep. And the best way for him to get more championships is for Anthony Davis to be as engaged and happy as possible. Okay. Let me ask you guys another question because I was asked this uh, on the radio today. It was an interesting question. Who on the Lakers has the most upside? And I think the question was designed to get me into Kuz, uh, who we still haven't talked about. 
It's amazing. We've gone 55 minutes and have not talked about Kyle Kuzma. That is hard to do in a Lakers conference. December 4th, 2020. Remember Mark this the day. day. <laughs> my answer to that question, and I, I'd love to get both of your, your opinions. My answer to that question was Anthony Davis. I, by the way, I agree. Uh, the Anthony Davis that we saw in the playoffs, if that Anthony Davis is yeah. in the regular season, that's an MVP. Sabrina uh, Merchant agrees. And oh, yeah. See, Sabrina agrees. So we're, we're, we're on the right page there. And I believe like went to Duke or something like that. So I mean, like she's way smarter than me yeah. and she thinks I'm right. So that means something. Yeah, you yeah, is better though. The answer is AD. Yeah. In all honesty. I mean, you you can try to make a case for somebody like, I don't know, like Caruso, if you really believe that he's got the foundation to be, you know, a better scorer with the type of defense that he has, or I guess if, you know, the 25, 30 total minutes you saw from THT really got you excited or whatever. But I mean, like the answer is AD because he could in three years. Andy years. pissing off all the Devontae Kaycock stands out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm just trying to keep the whole thing fluid. You yeah, know? You, you, hey, listen, Giannis hasn't signed his extension yet. Maybe I'm, we should talk up Costas a little well, bit. That's right. I'm trying to motivate uh, Kaycock. And you know, I, I know he's watching right now, and I know he's going to feel slighted. And this, this is what, when you see him collect that 2026 MVP award, you're welcome. <laughs> but I mean, AD has a chance, I think, in two or three years to be considered the best player in the league. Nobody else on this team that isn't LeBron has that chance. I mean, realistically speaking, that's upside. I mean, even if you think he's the fourth best player in the league, to be considered the consensus number one, that's amazing. That's the most valuable upside you could possibly have. And by the way, that's the hardest kind of hill to climb, right? From from being a bona fide superstar to like best player in the NBA or second best player in the NBA. Like those leaps are so hard to make. And that's why when we're talking about upside, I would say that that's the biggest room for for if Anthony Davis. So I I have to be honest with myself and say, coming into last season, I was very excited about LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right? But I had a lot of questions about who Anthony Davis was because of his track record. I mean, obviously that's an organizational sort of team. How how mm -hmm. good was the team? But I still questioned, you know. And there were some games where they would force the ball to him in the post and it just wouldn't work. Or there were some games where he was a little checked out. And, and you know, it happens. But that's a part of your evaluation of a player. And going into the playoffs, I have to be so honest and say there's – I was not even close to thinking that he can get to that level. You are and, not alone. I mean, he was, he was you are quiet. not alone. He turned into Kawhi Leonard from the mid-range, and that is so <sighs> lethal. I So I am a huge Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. Like, I love that – I, I – I considered him MVP hands down last year, even though people would argue, you know, LeBron, especially Lakers fans would be upset with me, but I'd be like, no, Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. In the playoffs, the things Anthony Davis was supposed to do and what he was able to do in a playoff setting set him ahead of Giannis for me. And that's, he showed me also that if you evaluate players in the playoffs, you need to kind of, you, you need to evaluate players a little differently and that's why, like, I, I, when I look at Giannis, I'm like, you need to stop working on the three and watch what Anthony Davis did from the mid-range to kind of elevate his game. Um, but Anthony Davis, to me, became better than Giannis, and that's a, that's a huge leap on its own it, for me. Especially, I think, Dama, when you consider the context. Because, like, I in my head, I always picture the, like, the, the parts where Anthony Davis is – 
you know, be like, I'm, I, I'm going to force my way to the Lakers. I'm going to be a Laker and like yeah. all that stuff. And like, he's got buddies around him. It's like that scene in where, where Cameron's trying to talk Ferris out of, of confronting his dad. Like, you don't want that kind of heat. Like you, <laughs> right, you, you right, don't do right, it. You don't right. want that heat. That's too much right. heat. You don't want that heat. Like he, he went out of his way. Like it says something about Davis that he sought it out. He's hey, like, he said it himself in the playoffs. Yes. I'm that guy. I want. I, I'm going to go to the place where if I fail, I will be the guy who like I will be the guy who failed, and then people yeah. will talk about me like that. And I I have enormous respect for the fact that he wanted to do it in the first place, and I don't think he got enough credit for it. And then that he actually elevated in a way that the Lakers needed because the, the Lakers' plan wasn't just you know AD be AD, LeBron be LeBron, and we're good. Yeah. It was. LeBron go be playoff LeBron, yeah. which is a better version. AD go be playoff AD, which is you only better. Because if you don't, we're not going to win. And yeah. and he did. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Well, he, you know, it's funny actually when you think about you know LeBron beyond just being otherworldly talented, he's one of the most unique players we've ever seen. AD is you know if not as unique as LeBron, he's up there. I mean, you know, you don't see many players like him. Palinka referred to him both as, as his two unicorns. Right. Today. And he's right. He is right. But the idea that you have two guys that, you know, just aren't as talented as them, but as unique, like it, it, it makes it that much harder to match what they do in terms of trying to build a roster that, that would be the equal to them or, you know, that matches up well. I mean, I, just, I mean, look at it this way. Them going small is Anthony Davis at center and LeBron James, James at the four. That's a small line. Yeah, I kept calling that. it medium ball. Like they're, they're <laughs> right, going right, small. We like, have to we as a, as an NBA culture, we have to get past like the commentary needs to be much more specific. Small is not about how the size of the players on the court, yeah. it's about style. Right. Big is not about the size of the players on the court, it's about style. I mean obviously height has something to do with it. I mean it's not totally irrelevant. But the Lakers, when they go small, play a small style. They do it with monumentally large human beings, which I mean, gives them an advantage that other teams don't. Their front court would sometimes be AD, Markeith, you know, LeBron, depending on what position you think he at, was at the moment. Caruso, who was long for his position, neither like Danny Green. KCP, right? Who's like their that's point guard is team. six. The, the the biggest the, the the thing about that is is their point guard is six yeah. eight two hundred and sixty pounds. Like, that's not going small again. No. That's going medium at best. It's style and yeah. like you know that the Lakers have the ability. This is where I think it's so hard and like why why you've seen the the teams recalibrate how they think they can attack them because they all understand like to close this gap you have to figure out how to combat that. It's not just the star power of LeBron and AD. It's the star power specifically at the positions that they have with yep. the skill set that they have. And how do you match up with that? And I, nobody's, I mean, it's one season, but last season, nobody figured it out. Nope. Nope. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Serge Ibaka is not going to get it done. Uh, look, they, <laughs> <laughs> Cooper Slander is fun. That's a good pickup for them. He's a better pickup. He's a no, better it was, pick it was a great, it was a great recovery from what looked like not a great offseason for them. Okay. Uh, we've gotten actually from uh, Luke K <laughs> the request. 
I need more <laughs> slander if Domin is going to be on the show. I want Clippers, Rockets, Ainge jokes. Domin, the do you want to talk? Okay, do you want to talk? We, we just assume you're like a comedian with like a tight five on this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like you do, can just do, go do, through it all. Do you want to talk about Kawhi Leonard a little bit? Sure. sure. What did he say today? He was asked a question about you know his leadership and this. Do, do, do you guys remember what he said? Yeah, I, I've actually got the quote. Okay, um, go for it. Let me, let me let me find it. Um, where is this? Clippers, Clippers, Clippers. And in retrospect, I have too many notes. Okay, here it's it. Just write some stuff down. Okay, uh, this is from I believe a report in ESPN. Uh, Leonard also said he will continue to try to lead the team the way he did last season with his play and, and taking action when needed, like calling players only film sessions as he did at one point. Quote, a coach can't put a battery in your back and tell you to go play harder to win games. You have to have the mindset. But then Kawhi added, but my leadership role isn't going to change. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing I've been doing. And you know what? As a Laker fan, I say fantastic. Do exactly what you did last year. I am thrilled by that. Let's talk a little bit about Kawhi Leonard because he's a quiet guy and he does not really get uh, the level of scrutiny like, quite frankly, coming out of the Clippers series, we were, you know, us as in the NBA Twitter community, who did we clown the most? Paul George. And with good reason, right? Uh, Paul George, who I affectionately call Palmdale Wesley Johnson. Um, oh, that's not fair. Like that's straight oh. up. So, so let me, Wesley let's, let's, Johnson, Wesley Johnson taking fire here. He I mean, I, 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 I love slander as much as the next guy, but I mean, a joke's a joke. <laughs> like that's. I apologize. That's to, too rough you know on what? Wes right. Johnson you, just got hit with a brick. He's yeah, you, you know what? You know what? Wes was you know, a nice guy. I do owe an apology, and that it's to Wesley Johnson. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> let's talk about Kawhi a little bit, right? Let's talk about his career. He succeeded the most in terms of longevity of time in San Antonio, right? He was drafted onto a team with a coaching legend in Greg Popovich, a locker room that was established with Tim Duncan, uh, you know, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, all those guys. And he fit into that structure, credit to him. He worked his ass off. And by the way, I should preface this by saying, of course I wanted Kawhi Leonard on the Lakers. And by the way, it would be hilarious if he joined us next year because he's on an expiring <laughs> deal, right? He can still do that. And I will welcome him. I will Kawhi disavow. Takes, takes I will taxpayers mid-level. I will disavow. <laughs> I will disavow everything I'm saying right now. I will have it scrubbed. I will, I will wire you whatever it will take to have this scrubbed from the internet. I will disavow it all if he joins next year. But let's say this. He ghosted Greg Popovich when he wanted to leave. And there are genuine reasons. But, oh, but I, sh I, should, I should credit him. He had one of the most impressive growth stories. We can credit the San Antonio coaching and all that all we want, but it's the work that he put in from who he was as a prospect to who he became in a few years only to be a finals MVP. Well, let's establish right now, Kawhi Leonard is really He's amazing. Really, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's amazing. Okay, but let's 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 just what but he's done. That being said, in, that being said <laughs> in San Antonio, he had one job: go out there and play basketball. We got the locker room, we got everything. Don't worry about it, right? Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich, all these things. He hits a bump in the road, gets injured. There's some really funky stuff going on with the team. Stuff happens. So what does he do? He demands a trade to a specific market, Los Angeles. Benefit to me, but screwing over the Spurs, right? 
taking all the trade leverage out of everything, right? That That's on his record. We consider Kawhi Leonard at the same level of a LeBron James, right? When, last year, it was a toss-up, who's the best player? Kawhi is coming to LA, right? So let's have the same level of scrutiny. He screwed over the Spurs, and he destroyed the tra- trade leverage. The Spurs made a bad trade. We knew it in the moment when they traded him to Toronto for DeMar DeRozan and, and all that stuff. I mean, San Antonio also sent cash. It's just the most... It's the most insulting thing I've ever heard of, but that's San Antonio, right? Greg uh, Popovich also Pertle guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Greg Popovich uh, as a GM, you know, he 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 fell off fast, um, and he I, I I he's still not that good right now. Um, Kawhi goes to Toronto, right? Again, an established locker room. Nick Nurse mm-hmm. coach. Um, Kawhi goes in and out of the lineup, load management, all this stuff. Credit to him. He finished the season. He wins MVP. He wins the finals, right? Um, Again, he had no responsibility beyond playing basketball. He chose when to play, did whatever he wanted, but Toronto made that work. That's right. And Kyle Lowry. And Kyle Lowry. Lowry. And and to be fair, he also made it work by killing it when he did play. I mean, let's make make sure we're being He's a great player. He's a great player. He's a great player. Okay, who in the history of the NBA as a finals MVP champion has left that team? He's all about it. When we criticize players for player empowerment, player movement, player this, it's like this guy doesn't care about winning. We killed Carmelo Anthony for prioritizing money over winning. Kawhi Leonard prioritized his shoe deal, his illegal bomber real estate deals that, you know, that kind of happened behind the scenes. You know, you can Google it. I'm not saying anything, right? Not only did he get all of those concessions and get the whole franchise doing that. By the way, the Clippers were a good story heading into that summer. <laughs> he puts a gun to their head and says, I'm going to the Lakers until unless you trade everything for my friend, my friend, my dear, dear friend, Palmdale Wesley Johnson. He said, put all of your assets into the chest. Oklahoma City knows I'm doing this, so they're going to drag you through the mud to get, uh, they're going to extract every single piece from you. He gets to the team. He's living in San Diego, away from the team. He's late to the flights. He's doing whatever he wants, load management, this, that, right? The team's not practicing. Nobody's generating any chemistry. This is the first situation in Kawhi Leonard's career where he is a true superstar in the true meaning of the word. When you're a true superstar in the NBA, you have leadership responsibilities. You are the face of the franchise. You are the person who should be good with the media because you're the face of the team. We just spent a lot of time talking about Kyrie Irving, and there's a lot of criticism about him right now for not being a good face of the team, good face of the media, right? Uh, He was late to every scrum. Poor Johan Buha, who's doing great work at The Athletic, yes, had to is. sit around for like two hours just to wait for Kawhi <laughs> to give his crappy answers after the game, I mean, look, right? It's, in fairness, right? it's not that uncommon to have to wait. Let no, me baby, roll, were, Andy. They, let me they, roll. Do no, not fact check. Notorious. Do they not fact check me. Extraordinarily slow. Yes. I know. I know. Yes. Thank know. you, Brian. Brian's on my side. No, um, I know. That's I know. just that, as mom would say, Andy, that's a true fact. <laughs> I know. I know. And so this is his first this is what he wanted. He put himself in a position. If he wanted to just be quiet, be quiet, do whatever he wanted, doesn't want to be the face of a brand, all that. He could sit in Toronto, which, by the way, if we're being honest, any other superstar gets so much scrutiny for wanting to leave for money, leave a championship team, not even like a one plus one deal or anything like that. 
nothing like that, right? This is the first year that Kawhi is in charge of a franchise. He's the face of the franchise. He doesn't want to be cooperative to the media. He doesn't want to be there for his teammates every single day. He doesn't want to set an example, which is a very core part of what LeBron James set an example this year of defense. He played defense from game one. Nobody said he would play defense. Kawhi Leonard set a bad example for his team. He was the diva on this team. He, uh, there was his team collapsed in epic fashion. His coach got fired because of that collapse. And Kawhi Leonard doesn't get nearly enough crap for it. And I welcome him on the Lakers next year as a bench. Player. <laughs> <laughs> I, he's funny. Hey, Lewis, Lewis, uh, I, I hope you enjoyed that. It, I, it is, but you're right. I mean, he doesn't, in part because he played, I mean, as, as much as uh, Kawhi didn't, you know, and he didn't have a great, he played pretty well. I mean, and, and you could look at, you know, they didn't lose because of him. They lost because Trez was terrible and, and because Paul Brian, George Brian, was hitting Brian, the Brian. side oh, of the backboard and all that. Denver but, was up, uh, uh, the Clippers were up by about 15 points in game five, in game oh, six, and game seven. They lost, I think, Four did, did the, all four games did they lose double digit leads or just three? Uh, the last three for sure. Right. They and and so we can blame anything we want. Oh but no, I'm not. Where's I, Where's Kawhi Leonard? Where's Kawhi Leonard in the huddle saying, "Guys, I got this." Please, you know why? Because he didn't establish any credibility with that team all year, and if he would have tried there, he would have failed because he had no. Con that was his locker room, and his locker room had no heart. I just want to point out. How we began this show with Domin talking about the that time when he was too afraid to send a tweet. And we just got this. Our boy's all grown's up and he's all grown's up. That's an empty glass, ladies and gentlemen. Up. That's an empty glass. I'm just saying. Th look at this. this Join this us for the gross. 12 o'clock hour. We witnessed. We didn't just witness, we we witnessed growth. We we learned the backstory of the growth. Amazing. Yeah, wait amazing. Till, uh, wait till he gets to Luke Kennard. <laughs> <laughs> I but like the the other like to kind of come full circle here, like the other guy that has some Kyrie to him in the sense of kind of wants to be out there, kind of looking like you know, saying interesting things and like you know as an event paul george is a smart guy so i don't mean to insult i'm not trying to insult him in that way but he's not good at he's not good at media he's just not he's not good at would media. you say he's not in the driver's seat he is not in the driver's seat <laughs> when it comes I to see that. what you did there for example like we had we had an exchange with jared wade you know the nba writer who covered him in indiana wrote about him a lot in indiana um he was like i speak you know somebody who's fairly fluent in Paul George. Let me explain what he's trying to say here. And it, not in a passing it up, but like just like he's not good at it. What he was talking about, like with Doc and all this, this other stuff, like he gets to some of the stuff that you're talking about. Like it it, it is you know, the the sort of the lack of accountability that they had, and and Jovan wrote that story that really threw it uh it really all into a lot of context and clarity. By the you way, know, if, if we would have, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this, oh, is, please. this is worthy of interruption. If you would have told me last year that there was one franchise coming into this year with a fired coach, with uh -huh. superstars, with one foot possibly out the door, with a sort of do or die season coming into it, <laughs> losing key free agent to with, a crosstown rival. With Jason Kidd coaching. 
with Jason Kidd coaching, I would have almost guaranteed that you're talking about the Lakers. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. we're not. But we're talking about supposedly the best organization in the history of sports with who happens to be the richest owner in all sports. He is that. Um, and they, they are, and they're good and, and, and all that stuff, but like you get to George and he just, he's not, he's not good at it. And so you have two guys who neither one of them are like LeBron say what you have, but he's too passive aggressive. He's this, and he's a different guy now than he was then. And that's part of the reason he signs the extension because he's 36 years old yeah. and he doesn't need to be shopping around. It's not going to get better than this. You don't want to be, you know, uprooting your family again. Like he's cool and it's, it's going to work. But like, say what you will about him. He's always been good at this, uh, at communicating the message. It's a Kobe was always good at communicating the being like somebody's got to be the alpha. I'm going to go be the alpha, and I'm going to do like Brooklyn, the Clippers. Like, who is like? It's Kawhi Leonard's team, but what does that mean? It's interesting, actually. Thing, Brian, that that you point that out, and I I tweeted this a few days ago when. uh, Jovan's piece, uh, Jovan Buha for The Athletic about the Clippers Discord, which if anybody hasn't read, you should because it's, it's so really, good. really well reported. I mean, beyond whatever Clipper jokes that can come out of it that people will enjoy. No, it's just great reporting. It's great reporting. It's a reminder. That and a- credit to him, by the way, he dropped that on media day and and he fully you know just faced the Hugh Hughes he oh. put himself out there in a way that I really really respect. Yvonne had actually done that midseason last year. He wrote uh, yes. something about how there was there was a lot of discord in that locker room, and he took a lot of shit over it. Oh. You know, and and it turned out everything that he reported yeah, was we, accurate. We call guys like that journalists. That's not how we <laughs> refer to ourselves. But like there there's a Yovan's piece I thought was a really good reminder that there's a difference between as a superstar having accumulated power across the league as opposed to agency and currency within your own or- organization like there's a big difference and at we're, this we're point, seeing we're seeing people who really enjoy and and are are, are sort of leveraging their earned power that Le- like lebron but, does but i mean look I but mean, without the scrutiny right they don't want that well, but I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, if if we're being totally honest about this, LeBron's first season with the Lakers, he didn't yeah. lead like this, yeah. and he didn't have the exact same agency that he had with the Lakers. And I think also, to be fair to LeBron, the moment that they got AD, LeBron conducted himself like he truly had skin in the game with the organization, which because, I think he did on a bunch of different levels. At that point, he did. Right. He did at that point, but. To LeBron's credit, he became an incredible leader. Like from minute one, the minute AD ended up getting traded to the Lakers, LeBron was amazing as a leader. I'll tell but- you what moment stood out to me uh, in, in just to tag to your point was when there was a lot of um, it was a messy hiring of Frank Vogel. Right. And, and everybody assumed Tyloo was coming the way he endorsed and supported and showed up at the press yeah. conference. That was like day one, moment one, yeah. where I was like, that is like, a different LeBron. What's What was interesting about Jovan's piece is w- when you started reading about certain things that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard required, whether whether it came to uh, their own security or you know the length of time it took them to be available for media, different things, there was stuff that sounded familiar from the period we, we covered Kobe. And you know, Kobe was... I. I, my personal experience, and Brian would agree, I found him relatively easy to work with as a member of the media sure. in terms of what we needed from him. I found him 
pretty cooperative and definitely very, I think, uh, always, if you showed up prepared and you, you know, yeah. 85% of the time, there are times he's Kobe Bryant. He's not in the mood. 85% of the time you show up prepared and he would give you thoughtful answers to yes. everything you asked for. You know, the one time Brian and I ever needed him for an in-depth piece, he was terrific. I mean, he gave us everything we ever would have wanted and more, but you know, Kobe was high maintenance for that organization. Like he was not an easy star to have around. No, nobody being honest would it would ever say that. But Kobe had currency and agency within the, the Lakers organization that went beyond just the fact that he's one of the best players in NBA history. Yeah. Kawhi and Paul George don't yet have that agency within the organization. They just have power and there's a difference. Yeah. And, and look, point. they could both turn that around. You know, I mean, well, Clippers, the, can, be, Clippers can be very, if they have the right focus, I think Ty, yeah. I actually think Ty Lue is an upgrade um, over Doc. I think he's better. Me too. Me too. I, I, I um, actually, I, I was bummed out last summer because I really wanted Ty Lue. I think he's, he's very unfairly tagged as just this LeBron guy. Listen, Ty Lue has beat Brad Stevens and Steve Kerr in playoff rounds, mm -hmm. right? Like, Look, so we, if, we if the Clippers, to... if the Clippers have a right, if they have the right mentality, they're going to be really, really good. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I just, yeah, I think just Ty, I think honest. Ty has almost all of Doc's gravitas as a voice, um, with more of a, you know, just a better understanding and appreciation of the modern game. Better strategy, better X's and O's, guys. You know, forever. This is an interesting question, though. Uh, oops, wrong. That is not the interesting question. Where'd it go? Here we go. Roberto Jones asked the question: you know, What would the media's reaction have been if the Lakers had those leaks coming out? You know the reaction. It would go back two years. That's the reaction. Yeah. You know, when the Lakers were a tire fire, and they got hammered for it. Like it's not like this is like this this sort of weird double standard or something. The Lakers got absolutely hammered. But the reason there haven't been those leaks and those leaks didn't happen last year is because they were legitimately drama free. Like it was the that is the most extraordinary thing about last season that I think will will be kind of the legacy of that team is there was no drama. You None. know what's funny? Lakers None. have had seasons where they won championships. They've had seasons where they've been in the lottery. They've always had drama. Last year was the first one where I don't really Never. remember a single like you know blow Never. up of any kind. Nothing. And so, is, and so is and so. I will let you go on this, but like I, I, to your point before about you know if you to guess which team would be in the you know the situation like we don't we don't got to do something we got to make a finals game whatever we're gonna lose. Because yep. those guys leave, they are fucked. I mean, it's yep. not even. There's no. There's no. Yeah, we can. They are 100% fucked. And so, the pressure. The, the Lakers are far and away prohibited title title favorites. Uh, they are expected to be a dynasty going forward. They have all of this. It's L.A. It's the Lakers. It's all of this stuff. And the Clippers have like five times the amount of pressure on them. That is yeah. a that is an amazing thing to think about. That the Lakers are supposed to win a championship, and if they don't, it's going to be like, what the hell happened? And they don't have nearly the amount of pressure. They're <laughs> footloose and fancy free compared to the Clippers. It's 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 a good time. And by the way, uh, I believe Paul George today said uh, that he will he he wants to retire a Clipper. So I'll enjoy him on the Phoenix Suns next year. <laughs> Jeez. Everyone loves the Paul George slander. I, I, I will say, I, 
I had a moment in the bubble where, because I was piling on to him, he played like shit and he wasn't good enough and all that stuff. But when he did kind of cop to like, oh, by the way, like I'm sort of suffering from a level of depression in here uh, that people ought to know about. I was like, A, good for you for talking about it. And B, I do kind of feel like an asshole now and I'm sorry. Um, uh, the difference between me and you is I feel like an asshole, but I'm going to keep it going. <laughs> I'm good with it. You just got to ride it. You got to ride through that. You work through it. I accept me for me, Dom. It's like the guy on Man versus Food who's trying to eat like a seven pound burrito. You just got to keep going. You can't stop for that. Once you lean into self loathing, it's actually pretty liberating. It's the best. <laughs> All right, man. We appreciate the time, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Seriously, thank you. Uh, no. Next week, i uh, got some good guests already lined up. Megan Gailey, comedian, a ba big basketball fan, and a very, very funny woman. Going to join us on Monday. Tuesday, we're going to talk uh, Hollywood with Scott Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter. A lot of – this is a big week in Hollywood in terms of, like, the future of movies um, and, and how what we're going to be the season's going to be. And uh, Darius Soriano, our friend from Foreign Star Blue of Laker Fulmer Podcast. The star. Darius is the best. Don't man. tell Anthony. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll see everybody next week. Have a great weekend. Donkey Needle on. <laughs>